Well, it's good to be back. And on a day like today, it just uh, stokes me to to see the Mossenbeckers going out from our church. Uh, I just spent uh, some time with the very first family uh, that left from our church to live internationally, and they're in a, 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 to work internationally for our kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God, and uh, I'll just leave it at that, and you can fill in the blanks. Just a great family that's already out there. It's awesome to know that the Moss and Beckers are our second family to go from our church, and so we're going to stand with them in, in prayer. It has been my desire from the very beginning, it's been Lori's desire from the very beginning, that our church would be a sending church. And not just for two weeks, not just for two months, but two years and, and beyond, indefinitely. And so we need to rally behind uh, our family members. It's been our desire. That's, that's the thing about desires. Desires fuel life, all right? They get you up in the morning. They give you a reason to get up in the morning. They keep you motivated uh, as you live out your life. Desires add fuel to life. And that can be for good. That can, again, power an engine to get you around the world is uh, myself and uh, Jeff Webb traveled 21,000 miles over the past 15 days. Plus, we had another team member, uh, other team members that were traveling close to that. And they're all back safe. So we're all, all the hens are back in the nest, as far as I know. And uh, so we're glad to have that back into reality. But fuel can do a lot for you. Uh, fuel can lead you forward, can push you forward, can take you forward and, and further down the road. At the same time, fuel, if not in the right container, if not in the right engine, it can cause an explosion and do grave and tragic damage to life. I want to talk about desires today in light of, uh, of fuel and, and understanding it as a fuel to our life. And that there are times as we have these desires that God will bless our desires, that God will look at our desires and he say, that is good. He will honor them. He will bless them. This is the right thing. This is the right thing for you. And that's a good thing. We want God to bless our desires. But I think before we can have God bless our desires, it's far more effective if we have his desires. And I think one of, the, one of the most popular quoted Psalms is Psalm 37, verse 4. Maybe the most misrepresented of all the Psalms when it says that if we'll delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. Now, I, I've used this verse for my own good. I've used it for my own agenda. I said, hey, God, you know, you say in your word, you'll give us the desires of our heart. So God... This is the new car that I want. I want this. Please give it to me. You know, it's the desire of my heart. But you can't read the last part of the verse and skip over the first part of the verse. Delight yourself in the Lord. Then he will give you the desires of your heart. So I want to hopefully live a life that God blesses my desires, that God honors my desires. But that's going to require some maybe adjustments in my life. That's one avenue. That's one way to think about desires. There's another one, not so pleasant. Call it the dark side, if you will, of desires, where God may just turn you over to your desires. You want it. You've asked for it. You're demanding it. You're going to manipulate and move and and shake and do what you need to do to get what you want when you want it. And you have this desire inside of you, and you're not going to take no for an answer. There may be a time in your life When God will say, that's not my will for your life, but you're persistent and insistent. And so I'm just going to let you have it. 
Romans chapter 1 gives us a, a stark, dark, almost ominous verse that we're going to study in length in a couple of weeks, but I just want us to look at it real quickly today. In, 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 in Romans chapter 1, verse 24, it says it like this, God abandoned them. You ever felt like you're abandoned by God? You ever felt like God's not there? And I wonder sometimes if he's not because we aren't on his desires. We aren't on his track. And he abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Now, I don't want you to miss this. I want you to see there are two key words in this, heart and desire. I highlighted them there. Go back to the other verse in Psalms. Psalms, what do you see? Two key words there, hearts and desire. These two words, hearts and desire, are inseparable. We need to understand the relation of our desires and how they tie back to our heart. Now, let me just tell you, kind of a, give you a kind of a background on this series of messages. It kind of has been working in me for some months now. To start the year in 2015, I actually spoke with a fan, 2014, spoke with a family uh, in the first gathering. They said the very first time they came was whenever they got a mailer sent to them in their home about a new series of messages that we would be sharing here called Stuck. So it was last January that I, I shared a series of messages about living a life and how we find ourselves stuck. Stuck in sin, stuck in regret, stuck in remorse, stuck in shame, stuck in how do we get out of it? The Bible refers to it as a stronghold. And we get stuck in this mire. And man, when you're in that, you are SOS, help me, somebody, please throw me a life rope. I am ready to get out of this cycle of sin, this destructive lifestyle. These things that I've been doing for years and it's now costing me my family. It's costing me my character, my reputation. It's costing me money. I'm bleeding. I'm hemorrhaging here. I'm stuck. I need help. And I can tell you after 13 years of preaching at Grace Point Church, that series of messages conjured up more emails, more phone calls, more conversations with people about areas of their life being stuck than any other series of messages that I've shared. Why is that? Why is that? Because when you're stuck, you don't want to be stuck. When you're captive, you don't want to be captive. When you're in regret and remorse and shame, you don't want to be there anymore. You want to get out. But there was a light that went on in my head, in my heart, if you will. And I thought, you know, there's almost something that needs to be shared before stuck. How do we prevent getting stuck? How do we stop it before it starts. How do we prevent it before we're in it? How can we come back here at the, at the level when it's just a desire, when it's just a thought, when it's just a fantasy, when it's just an idea, and stop it here before it gets there? Now, here's the, here's the problem. Just, I'm going to be frank with you. This message is easier to share. This series is easier to share. This series gets immediate response and reaction because nobody wants to be stuck. This series is going to be harder. Because when you are in your desire phase, 
fantasy phase. You're not thinking that you're ever, 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 ever going to be stuck. You're thinking of what might be, of what could be, of what you want. You're fantasizing of that relationship. You're fantasizing of that idea of what might be, could be someday. You could have that new, bright, shiny, bigger, whatever. You might get that promotion. And you are in the dream stage. All along, those dreams are very dangerous. Now, again, I'm not saying that all desires and all dreams and all ideas and all fantasies are bad. Again, the, what the Mossenbeckers have as an idea, as a fantasy, as a dream, as a, as a desire is noble. Noble and good and can impact the world. I'm afraid some of us, we've been turned over. God has said, okay. It's your heart's desire. You can go that way. And it's a very dark side that I want us to try to prevent. You might think of it like this. If you might put heart and desire at the apex of a triangle. And you might think, okay, there's one of two ways I can go with my hearts and desires. It'll either lead me down a path that God will bless and honor and I'm in alignment and there's synergy between God and I and, and there's fulfillment even when I make sacrifices, even when I, when, even when I, you know, people will look at me and go, you know, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't give that. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't go there. Moss and Beckers, okay, you keep using them. You, know, you shouldn't do that while you give it. There's a fulfillment whenever you're doing it. There's a sense of rightness whenever you're doing it. There's a sense of blessing whenever you're doing it. Or take the other path. Do it your way. Follow your own desires, unchecked, un, 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 unchecked, and find out where that leads you. Take your Bibles, find the book of Proverbs. Because that two key words there, heart and desire. I want to talk more about heart today than I do desires. And I think it'll make sense to you in a few moments. Hopefully it will. Hopefully I can communicate it in a way it will. But but desires don't start in a vacuum. They're not just random things that are out there and all of a sudden you just decide you latch onto one. I want to say to you today, it's my hypothesis today that it's deeper. And it's deep inside of you. That there are, there's something inside of you that if you don't watch that then the desires will come and the actions will come and the disaster and destruction will come. But we've got to come back here and we've got to look closely at our heart. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, you have a father to a son speaking here and you just see the intimacy behind it. It could be a daughter or mother to a daughter. It could be anybody. But the setting in this situation is a father to a son. As if the father is trying to say, hey, listen, son, I've made some really dumb mistakes here in my life. Let me give you some of the wisdom that I've got. Pay attention to this. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 says this, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline, that means lean forward, lean in, pay attention, take notes, your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Notice he uses ear. He uses sight. He's drawing in all the senses. He's saying, listen, I want you to listen. I want you to see. I want you to smell. I want you to taste. Don't let any of this escape you. In fact, he says, let them not escape your sight. Keep them within your heart. 
for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Basically, he gives us a promise. If you listen, if you put these things deep in your heart, if you don't forget them, if you walk by them, live by them, make decisions by them, then you're going to find your life the way God wants it to be and the fulfillment and the synergy with God that you would actually want in the end. But here's here's a very key verse, verse 23. He says, keep your heart with all vigilance. Uses a defense term there. With all defense, with a watchman on it. Don't let a night go by, a day go by, a second go by that you are not watching your heart. For from it, here's why. The reason why, from it flow the springs of life. Everything originates at the heart level. Everything originates at the heart. You push back on that. You try to tell me something that doesn't, and I'm going to push in on you, and I'm going to, we're going to drive it down to the heart. Because I believe, as the scripture is uh, espousing here, everything begins at a heart level. And I want us today to just kind of look at this as if we are looking at waves, ripples, if you will. And I want us to see the ripples of desire, the ripples of our heart, and how all of it plays out from our heart. So take notes, if you will. The very first thing that we need to understand about the heart, the heart is the source of our desires. Redeem the heart and you'll reorder your desires. We want to get our our heart right. That's a life principle for you there. The heart is the source of our desires. Redeem the heart and you will reorder your desires. But now let's look at it in, in, in the terms of ripples. There are four ripples. One is the heart is the seed of emotions. Not the seed, the seed. It's where, it's where it begins to emerge. It's where we begin to feel. It's where we begin to emote. But it starts at the heart. Now, I know this is mystical. What's the heart? Is that the cardiovascular thing that's pumping blood inside of me right now? No, 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 no. It's mystical. It's spiritual. It's the core essence of who you are. It will live on past your body and your cardiovascular blood pumping organ that's inside of you. It is your, it's a part of your forever being. I think it's what separates us from all other animal life. When God breathed into us, he breathed into us this heart, this soul, this spirit that's deep inside of us that distinguishes us. It's the part that is fallen. It's the part that can be redeemed and made right. Pay attention to your heart. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5, it says, The purpose of a man's heart is a deep water. Your heart is deep, deep inside of you. The inward mind and the heart of a man are deep. This is a part of you that, is, that, that makes up the real essence of who you are. Now, I've been to northern Minnesota one time, and, uh, or I should say Minnesota. I've been to northern Minnesota and to the, to the mouth, uh, excuse me, to the headwaters of the Mississippi River. Now, if you've ever been there, you, you know what I'm talking about whenever it's just this little bubbling brook that kind of pops up out of the ground and kids play in it. You run from one side to the other. It's, a, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a been there, kind of done that kind of moment. I've been there. It's not a threatening river at that point. But the Mississippi goes on, and you and I know this, goes on to become a place of commerce, a place of, of commuting back and forth. It can also be a place of destruction. 
When the Mississippi River overfills its banks, when the floodwaters come and the levees break, it can create disaster, human disaster, natural disaster that can wreck communities and lives. Our heart is a spring. And it's where it all originates from. And it's where we've got to pay pay very, very close attention to. It's deep, deep waters. A life principle for you. Don't underestimate your heart's depth. But neither overestimate your heart's accuracy. Just because your heart feels a certain thing. Just because your heart says to you in your head a certain way, go a certain way, don't follow your gut. Don't go with your heart. We'll learn more about this as we go along. It is deep, it is wide, but it is not always accurate. However, your heart is the voice or your emotions are the voice of the heart. You listen to your emotions and you start asking the questions, why do I feel this way? Not just what am I feeling, but why do I feel this way? Emotions begin to be what, 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 how our heart expresses itself. And you think, Mike, where are you going? Well, I thought this was about desires and temptation and sex and all that kind of fun stuff. You know, listen, we're going to get there in a moment, all right? But we're going back to the beginning. It's about the heart. Your heart speaks, and when it speaks, it speaks through the emotions. Asaph, one of the psalm writers, was very frustrated with life because he realized one morning that life wasn't fair. How many of y'all have ever woke up to the reality that life isn't fair? Okay, wake up if you haven't. It's not fair. It never will be fair. Don't wait for it to be fair this side of heaven, all right? It's not fair. You won't get the promotion you deserve. You won't get that deal when you think you need to get that deal. Life isn't fair. Asaph realized that one day, but he also realized that there was something welling up inside of his heart. It was an anger. It was a bitterness about that reality. And he says it like this in Psalm 73, verse 21. He says, then I realized that my heart was bitter. His heart was speaking. His heart had a voice. His heart had a, had, a, had, a, had a song. His heart had something to say. It was bitterness. It was anger. Your heart speaks. It's not what are you feeling. It's, what, it's why am I feeling this. Another time when Solomon was again giving instruction to his son when he talked about worry and fear. And I know from Lori's message of last week and so forth that fear and worry is a, what a lot of you deal with on a regular basis. What, now listen, that's what you feel. Now here's the question I'm trying to get us today to do is I want to not just ask, what am I feeling? Anxiety, fear. But why am I feeling it? Proverbs twelve twenty five says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. So let me say this to you again. Your emotions are speaking what your heart is feeling. 
And there are things going on deep inside of you. And for the first 15 years of the 25 years that I've been in ministry, I did not realize the connection and the correlation between my heart and the reality in which I live and the feelings of which I have. And I struggled with that for many, many years. And I got more to say about that than I have time to say about that. But just hear me when I say that your emotions, your thought processes, your feelings are tied back to the deep things of your heart and they will steer you forward in life. There's a West African proverb of the Togo people. It says, wherever the heart is, the feet don't hesitate to go. Second, ripple. Once you understand your heart is your emotions, number two, emotions give birth to desires. So you feel this way. So therefore, because you feel this way, you will want something. And what happens is because we have broken hearts, we live in a, with broken emotions, therefore we'll have broken desires. All right? This is where we're getting to the desire part. This is why I'm telling you today, don't trust your heart, don't trust your emotions, don't trust your desires because they're broken. And, and, there, and, I, and I can say that because I've realized that in the 25 years of ministry, I just apologized to the first 15 years of ministry in pastoring those people that I didn't help connect the dots. Some of the things that they're going through are deep waters of their own heart and they're drowning in them. A lonely teenager who lives in a home where there's not... There's not a healthy love relationship in the home. Has to go outside the home to find love. At 14 years of age, finds love in some other 14-year-old boy who himself has struggled with identity, sexuality, and they find love in that immature state of life only to find themselves wrecked in havoc and disaster coming out of that. Why? How does that connect, Mike? Because we have a broken heart. We have broken emotions that lead to broken desires. I think about the, the young man who's been exposed to pornography as a child maybe just finding his dad's stash or maybe it was online and he, he can't keep from going back. And I tell you this, if I'm lying, I'm dying when I tell you this, that men, you will not marry out of that addiction. Men, you will not find your security from that addiction when you're 20, when you're 30, when you're 40, when you're 50. I've dealt with men before in their 60s who still are struggling with an addiction to pornography. It comes from a broken heart. Wounded emotions lead to broken desires. What I want is I want to be a whole heart. I want to, I want to have whole emotions. I, I want to have whole desires. And that's what we're going to hopefully move and progress towards. 
Whenever you see it, even in a materialistic home, a home full of stuff, and every time they, 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 they want, they go out and buy, and they get, and they get more, and they go more, and they buy more. It's, it's kind of like there's this thing that we teach the next generation, that if you want happiness, you've got to buy it. And if you don't have the money to buy it, you get a plastic card, and you put it on that. And you don't worry about how you're going to pay for it, because it's just the minimum payments. And all of a sudden, that broken heart and that broken emotion and that broken desire is living out in the next generation and the next. Even, even Solomon, who wrote the very pages that we're reading about, he's telling his son, watch your heart with, watch it with all diligence because from it flow the springs of life. If you don't watch it very carefully, you can preach what Solomon preaches, but then Solomon himself struggled with it. When you read Ecclesiastes, his memoirs, notice, just notice this. He says, anything I wanted, anything I wanted, speaks of his desires his desires, anything I wanted, his emotions, his longings of the heart, I would take it. I denied myself no pleasure. I wanted it. I took it. I went for it. Katie barred the door. Nobody's stopping me. Again, think of the Mississippi River without borders. Think of the Mississippi River without levees. Think of it. It becomes a torrent, violent river what we have to realize is that we have to bring in rain in our hearts because they, it is broken. C.S. Lewis, in the screw tape letters, was telling uh, Wormwood was speaking of the Christians, and he says, the less dependent on emotions they are, the much harder they are to attempt, to tempt. I, I, I point out, that our emotions and what you're feeling right now, some of y'all in this room are as lonely as can be. Some of you in this room are dealing with depression. Some of you in this room right now, you can put on a fake giggle, fake smile, and you can go fake it all day long, but there's a brokenness inside of your spirit, inside of your heart that you can't fake it. If the real light was shining inside of you, you can't fake it. Your emotions are speaking. What are they saying? And what are they saying about your heart? The third ripple. Don't miss this one. Desires are nurtured in the mind of what could be. When we start dreaming... Again, emotions are a heart that's unchecked, a heart that's not redeemed and made whole, a heart that leads to an emotional talk that, hey, I want this, I need this. Hey, that relationship over there isn't so bad. You know, I, she's kind of cute. I'm kind of lonely. I know I'm married, but... And then all of a sudden that desire wells up inside, but what if? And then I start thinking, I start strategizing, I start moving as close as I can get. But not, not, not there yet, I'm not there yet. I'm just thinking about it. I'm just fantasizing about it. I'm just dreaming about it. We have to be wary 
of our desires. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, an apologist, German apologist of the last century, said this, in the part of our bodies, there is a slumbering inclination towards desire that is both sudden and fierce. With irresistible power, desire will seize the the mastery over the flesh and all at once a secret smoldering fire is kindled and the lust thus aroused envelops in the mind and the will of a man in the deepest darkness. And the powers of clear discrimination and of decision are taken from him. Our life gravitates towards our desires if kept unchecked. Our life will move in our desires and pretty soon it's a flame where I'm using the metaphor of water and a rock and the ripples that happens. Bonhoeffer uses the idea of a fire. It's a smoldering fire. And then pretty soon the power of a clear discrimination and of decisions are taken from us. How many times have I heard in the course of 25 years of ministry somebody say, you know, we just fell out of love and this was really my soulmate. I just missed them all along. I want to slap them. (laughs) The ripples that I speak of are not little gingerly ripples either. It's like a tsunami wave. This past week in an airport, I met a man from Egypt. His name is Muhammad from Alexandria, Egypt. He's invited me to come stay in his home. Uh, if I'm ever in Alexandria, I'm going to take him up on it. I got his email address, but he's a really nice physician who's living in this country where, where one of our global development workers is living. And we just happened to meet and just happened to talk. And he was just one of the few people who could speak English. And so we talked and, and, uh, and he shared photos because where he lives in this tiny island nation, is down south where the tsunami came through, near the equator. And he had photos that though is maybe a decade ago, I don't know how long ago it was, but maybe a decade ago, this, he still has photos of the effects of the tsunami that happened a decade ago. Listen, when these waves hit, they don't do just minor damage. They do catastrophic damage that you can still take photos of 10 years later. When I talk of tsunami size waves inside our lives, these ripples that I speak of, I want to mention three big rocks that make the biggest waves in most people. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on this because we're going to spend a lot of time in the next few weeks on these. Because one thing that I've found consistently through my life and through anecdotally through my own ministry and also in reading and research for this series of messages, these three words continued again and again and again to come up as the descriptions for what people struggle with the most in their desires. And if you do not rein these in, they will be a tsunami wave that will wreck your life, your marriage, your hope, your future, your career. One giant rock that is dropped is the money and possessions, the desire for more, because there's never enough. The old Roman proverb says it like this, that money is like salt water. The more you have, the more you want. 
And that's so true. The second rock that is dropped into this world that we cannot get away from that creates tsunami waves, it's sex and pleasures. Now, I tell you right now, I say this in the beginning, I make no bones about it, that my messages are PG-13. In this series, they will definitely be PG-13. If that's too much, then we might need to work on an alternative for the the young ears. But let me just say this to the parents. A parent of a teenager and a parent who's raised teenagers in this modern day, there's nothing that I'm going to share in this room that your kids are not already hearing in their schools, that they're being exposed to. One of my children, and I'll not name which one it was, was taught how to surf the internet for pornography on a smartphone at a church event. If we don't have a conversation about these big rocks, they will ripple through like a tsunami in our homes. Sex and pleasure is one of those. Pornography, again, has ripped many a men off of their, their moorings. At the same time, I just was reading a book on the plane coming back by Patrick Carnes called Out of the Shadows, who mentions that one of the fastest growing industries for pornography is actually to women. So let's not leave ourselves out of the equation. What are we going to do with the desires that are distorted and messed up in our cultures when it comes to sexual identity and preferences? I will deal with it on a tactful, straightforward basis with hopefully love and grace, with truth and direction. Some of y'all struggle in relationships areas because in this area right here, this is the big rock in your life that causes the greatest ripples, that causes the greatest tsunami because you just don't do relationships well. That old sex comes in too soon, too quick, and it gets stinky and messy and it messes everything up too fast. The third big rock that we will deal with is power and pride. We cannot get away from that. We want the promotion. We don't get the promotion. If it's, if it's power that we want and we get power, we abuse power. Countries have fallen because the abuse of power. But we also see it when we don't get it, we want more of it. And we're jealous because we didn't get the promotion. We're, je- we're envious of that person. We could do better than them. And pride and jealousy and power just engulfs us. Probably one of the most influential writers that I've ever read was a man by the name of Richard Foster. You should read his book, Celebration of Discipline. It would line up greatly with our quest series that we just finished. His book on prayer is probably the very best book I've ever read on prayer. We even had our entire staff read it. Richard Foster, prayer, get it and read it. It's a great book on prayer. And then in the preparation for the series of messages, I came across another book by Foster. Didn't even know it existed. The title, Money, Sex, and Power. The subtitle, The Challenge of the Disciplined Life. It all fits together. We just finished a message series on quest, the pursuit and the practice of a life well lived. And some of you all make commitments to, to give like you've never given before, to read the scriptures like you've never read before, and to be in prayer like you've never prayed before, and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, what happens? Life comes. What is that life? Money, sex, and power come in and rob us of the disciplined life. 
he makes this statement in the very first paragraph, the very first chapter of the book. He says, the crying needed today is for the people of faith to live faithfully. That is particularly true in the reference of money, sex, and power. No issues touch us more profoundly, more universally. No themes are more inseparable, intertwined. No topics cause more uh, controversy. No human realities have greater power to bless or curse. No three things have been more sought after or are more in need of a Christian response. The issues of money, sex, and power catapult us into the arena of moral choices. Let me say this, money's all moral. Sex is beautiful. In fact, say it with me, sex is beautiful. Okay, some of y'all had a hard time saying that in church. (laughs) Power is influence. But whenever money, sex, and power are bubbling up in the brook of a broken heart, filtered through broken emotions, leading to broken desires, we're in a mess because it leads us to the next ripple. The mind determines our steps. The mind determines our steps. Once you've already began to plot it out, dream it out, think it out in your mind, then all of a sudden now you're going to start moving in that direction. And you can't separate the heart from the steps and from the action steps that you're going to make in life. Psalm 44, 18 um, says this, Our heart has not turned back, nor our steps departed from your way. That's whenever our desires are in the good. But the same would be in the reverse. Your heart and your steps go hand in hand as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What do you do with this? How do you, how do you, in just the beginning message of the series, how do, how do, what do we do with, with this issue of the heart and the issue of emotions and the issue of desires? What do you do with that? Here's two, two responses, two moves to make to be more vigilant about your heart moving forward. And one, don't trust. Don't trust your heart. Don't trust your emotions. Don't trust your desires at face value. I'm not trying to say that your gut will not lead. I am saying that your gut will lead you astray. Your heart will not tell you everything because it doesn't know everything. In fact, it will many times distort the truth for the filter in which you're living it in. Your heart, your emotions, your desire, you cannot trust them. Don't take my word for it. Take Jeremiah's word for it. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately sick, who can understand it? That's the condition that we're all in. It's the condition everyone in this room is in. I can't trust my heart. You can't trust your heart. Let's just put it out there. It will lead us down a wrong path. What is our hope when that's the verse that we have to live with? Look at the next verse, verse 10. The Lord searches the heart. When we can't trust our own heart and we bring God into the equation and allow him to begin to work in our heart now, here's the truth. Now the truth is going to come. So the big question is this, not what are my desires and emotions telling me about my heart? What are my desires 
and emotions telling me about my heart. If you're right now locked in this pursuit of more, 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 more stuff, stuff, possessions, power, pride, if you can, what's it telling you about? What does it say about the heart and what's going on there? Number two, my heart needs reconciliation and restoration with God. I need a new heart. My heart's jacked up. Your heart's jacked up. We need a new heart. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. I want you to read this out loud with me. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Some of us, what we need today is a new heart. Our current heart is broken and our heart is speaking out our emotions and our emotions are shaping our desires and our desires are shaping in our mind a pathway that will lead us to destruction or we can wrestle that down and say, God, give me a clean, a new, a fresh heart. Put your spirit in me. I need that. As I move forward, this is not about behavior modification. Don't do this and don't do that. Do this and don't and do this. It's about heart transformation. Let me tell you a story, true story, of a young up-and-coming man. He was young, he was picked out of a crowd, he was, to some people's expectations, not the candidate. But this man rises tops. He becomes the CEO. He becomes the leader. He proves himself in the battlefield. He, he is this amazing individual who sets on course the, I'll just call it the organization, in a manner, in a path like no other. He has wives, he has family, he has, he has, he has a life, he has a future, he has a hope. He's a, he's a superpower, if you will. He's a Fortune 500 leader company CEO guy. But he didn't have enough. There was Beth. He saw Beth. He liked Beth. He wanted Beth. He manipulated things that he got Beth. They slept together. Oops, she's pregnant. Wasn't a part of the big five-year plan, but she was pregnant. Now he has to backpedal. Now he has to rework things. Now he has to maneuver some things to cover his steps so he doesn't fall himself. A person of power, a person of money, a person of wealth, a person of possessions, a person who had a relationship, but it just wasn't enough. And he ends up for one year just running, thinking, I won't get caught. It won't matter until finally he breaks. Somebody steps into his life that he respects, speaks truth into his life, that knew what was going on. His name was Nathan. He spoke to him and it crushed him to the core. One year. This guy, David, he goes home and starts writing. He starts writing, and we have it here, Psalm 51. He starts confessing about the sin that he had done. 
And he said this, a broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. A broken and contrite heart. Let me, let me say this to you today. The best thing we could do to get our desires on track is to get our heart in alignment with God. Restored, renewed, made new, where he gives us his spirit. He gives us a new heart, not a stony, stubborn heart, but a responsive yes heart. Because the only way we're going to correct our desires and get on track and have the right desires is to first of all have a right heart. And that happens in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you just go inside and just say, God, my heart is here. Is it broken? Is it, is it not right? He's telling you right now. I believe he is. He's speaking it to you right now. What's broken? What's not whole? What's the biggest rock making the biggest ripple in your life right now? What's that burning fire, as Bonhoeffer said, that's burning inside of you? Bring it and lift it up to God and say, God, give me a clean heart. Give me a new heart. I come broken. Lord Jesus, be in this place. Be in our hearts and our minds and don't let our desires, our broken emotions, our broken hearts lead us down a path where you abandon us where you just turn us over to our hearts and our desires or put us on a path and we'll find blessing and honor because our desires are aligning with your desires. Our heart is with your heart. Our emotions are in check. Do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing with